Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name is Mike. Today we've got five deadheads from around the country competing for a $50 gift card to... Oh, fuck. Not REI. <laughs> I was just doing it off the top of my head there. Uh, no, we're, we're done with REI. Last week we did Play Dead, and this week is Dire on the Mountain. So I got a $50 gift card to Dire on the Mountain, and the winner will get that. So Dire on the Mountain does tie-dyes on new and thrifted clothing. And it's just really, really cool. It's the tie dyes are otherworldly. So she does great work and yeah, check them out. It's Dyer on the mountain on Instagram, D Y E R underscore on underscore the underscore mountain. And then Dyer on the mountain with dashes in between each uh, word.com. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year their performance is from. Contestants who are all on video chat to prevent any possibility of cheating can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our two-time returning champion Nate here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the deadheads in a moment. But first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. Right, the guesses are in. It was Row Jimmy at War Memorial Auditorium in Buffalo, New York on March 31st, 1973. <laughs> um, Garcia answered Row Jimmy when asked what song he particularly liked that he felt the fans didn't care for as much. Well, we had three people get it exactly. Courtney, Nate, and Mike Smigo. We have two Mike's contestants. I'm the third Mike. Courtney, we'll start with you. Courtney is 47, and she's from Roanoke, Virginia. What'd you hear there, Courtney? Well, I only heard um, one drummer, so I 
noted that it had to be or, um, sometime between 71 to 75. And then um, once I heard Donna come in, I was like, okay, I think, and I'm not 100% sure, I was kind of leaning towards like her right when she started in the band. But then I was like, I don't think they debuted Ro Jimmy until 73. So I was like, I think I'm going to go with 1973. Great. Amazing. <laughs> and how did you get into the dead? Uh, I was probably my sister. Um, I remember her playing skeletons in the closet when I was probably about 14. And then I got my first album probably when I was about 15. And then I jumped on dead tour from the time I was eight from 93 to 95. I did East Coast tour. So I was stuck on them from that point on. <laughs> wow. What was that like? It was amazing. Like best time <laughs> of my life was, I mean, those, those, those tours. I mean, I was in college and my first semester, I could only see a few um, East Coast shows because of course I was in school and then I was on academic probation the second semester because I had gone to too many shows. And then the third time, I just kept on going back and forth between ac academic probation. So finally, I in 95, I just pretty much told my parents, I was like, look, this is what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, too bad, <laughs> but this is what I'm doing. So, and I just left school and then jumped on tour. I was, um, I did hair wraps in the parking lot, made clothes, and then um, toured with a few people that uh, we did devil sticks. We, like, he made devil sticks, and then we also, like, grilled cheeses and little stuff like that so we just ended in the parking lot and then we'd make our money to go to the next show and if we were able to get a ticket um, we would play in a few tickets that we would already have before the shows but then of course try to get miracle in or try to find tickets on in lot when the shows that we didn't have so where did you sleep uh many different places a lot of times they had a lot of cool little campgrounds that you could go um hang like a lot of the hippies would like in the parking lot like go to this campground or go to this campground so we'd go to those but a lot of rest areas. We'd pitch tent and just go up in the woods and sleep on the rest area. We were actually traveling up to Canada probably like 10 years later. And I looked at my parents. I'm like, I think I slept at this rest area when we were up here <laughs> going up to, and my parents were like, oh my God. <laughs> you know? So. Wow. Um, so Jerry dies in 95 and then what? Um, well, I had taken, um, I was working, um, Unlike the off-season stuff, I was working in Myrtle Beach doing hair wraps, so I did that for a little bit. Did fish tour, wasn't very happy with fish after Jerry died because I was like, well, look, you're making it really hard for people to tour. You like, you had to go like all the way up here and then all the way down here and then all the way over here, and they were cracking down on vendors and taking all of their stuff, and it was just not a really cool scene and then um i got into a little bit of the other ones then i kind of got a career and just kind of didn't go to as many shows and then i just kind of got into like the string cheese and widespread kind of scene and started going to those shows more you know kind of thing so <laughs> that's a great origin story thank you you're welcome you're on to the next round courtney we also have nate back with us who is our two-time returning champ nate is 22 and he's from york pennsylvania Anything you want to add to Courtney's 73 analysis there, Nate? No, I'm pretty sure she nailed it. It's just the, the one drummer uh, puts it early, and it, they weren't doing anything fancy. That was that was as simple as it gets. Uh, they just they played it as they wrote it, in my opinion. So that, that you could tell that was early. I was arguing between late 72 and early 73. I forget when they debuted it, but I went with 73 to play it. Too. Cool. You're on your way to your three-peat, first big step there. Only done once 
I think, yeah, by Luke, because the only one who's ever three-peated. So nice work, Nate. Mike Smigo. What's up, man? <laughs> you are 40, and you're from West Branch, Michigan. Yeah, I'm from Chicago, It's but uh, I've been in West Branch for seven, eight, eight years now. <clears throat> right on. Well, yeah. what did you what did you hear there? Uh, for me, the the one drummer, and uh, I can just tell a '73 recording. I don't know what it is. I listen to a lot. You know, I've got 1,800 shows. I've got a I've got a stereo system built to make the Grateful Dead sound awesome, and I listen to a lot of it. And uh, it, I could just tell a '73 recording, man. And as it went on, and the 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 join came in where they're all singing in harmony and it just sounded like 73 to me. So you have 1800 shows, I guess it's, you know, flack files or something like that. Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. And where'd you get them from archived? I got them from Craigslist. I got them. The, the initial hard drive was bought from somebody off Craigslist. And then I gave it to as many people as I possibly could after that. Holy shit! Yeah. And what percentage of those? It's are two, like ter- pretty it's two good? Ter- It's two terabytes. Uh, <laughs> some of them were audience, some of them, you know, but most of them were soundboards and very listenable. And How do you think that person got it? I don't. Uh, e tree. Yeah, that was that was back in the you know back in the beginning of. I mean, the Grateful Dead and the internet are like hand in hand, you know, and uh, like. The trading online, it all started with Deadheads somehow trading, you know, music online. And I don't know how they did it back in the day with those super slow internet connections, but they did. Wow. Okay. Then how'd you get into the dead? Um, I was a metalhead and Jerry Garcia died on my, uh, I think my, my 13th birthday or my 14th birthday. And I, it didn't really matter to me, but then I, uh, a, when I was 15, a guy moved to my town from the East Coast, and we became friends pretty quick. And he hurt his knee, and he was needing knee surgery. And then he was in physical therapy, and he he was ahead. He was, he loved he, his favorite band is Fish, and uh, his his therapist gave him a flyer to a a festival. Uh, you guys ever heard of the Schwag? They're from Missouri. Yeah, they're from St. Louis, Missouri. Um. So I went to their little festival in the middle of the wood, like in the middle of the Ozarks. Uh, it was 15 bucks. It was like seven hours from my house in Chicago. Me and a couple other kids, they all had to lie to their parents. I uh, just told my mom I was going camping with my buddies. And uh, it's just, it just fucking flipped my wig, man. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it didn't take long after, you know. And then the last, that was in 98 or 99. And uh, it's been a huge part of my life. I haven't been to a show in five years until this summer because I've got I've been making babies and shit. But <clears throat> yeah. uh, at what point do you start bringing the babies to the the shows? I did. The I, I did. I brought. I, I took uh, some of my younger kids to to the Dark Star Orchestra Jubilee, which is a really great family friendly uh, festival. But it it's not fun for me. It's not fun for my wife. Uh, it's just not so i'd rather and you know what they don't even like it you know so um you know they don't like the music and uh so yeah it's uh but i've been i've been getting out there again a little bit here and there so well thanks mike you are on to the next round
Mike Gasick is also on to the next round. He gets 1974, one year off. Uh, why 74? You know, I, I think a, a lot of things that everyone else has been kind of chiming in on, the one drummer, Donna, and uh, um, it just kind of has that feel, 73, 74. Um, listening to the podcast, I've heard a lot of people like, oh, I can uh, tell the uh, they were using this kind of monitor or, or this guitar or this tone or this. For me, I've just listened to so much. It's just, it just kind of has a feel almost, to me, it's almost visual. Like I, I picture what Garcia looks like matched up to the voice that I'm hearing. And if it's like a raggedy Garcia or um, a shorter hair, longer hair, gray hair, black hair, it all just kind of comes together. And I'm just like, yeah, it sounds like he would be looking and singing like that in about this time period. So yeah, I kind of go about it a little bit of a different way. Yeah, it seems like there's two distinct camps. It's more like what Mike was talking about and more what Luke was going off what he just knows. And then there's Kyle who can hear the guitar, knows exactly what it is. It's like, oh, uh, it's the ES330 or whatever, you know. Right, I know. It's just amazing. Yeah, and both amaze me. And how'd you get into the dead? So it's probably around like either, I don't know, late 86, maybe early 87. You know, like a lot of people, I just uh, listening to, uh, well, I was a metalhead, kind of like, uh, um, what was it, Mike? And it's it's funny. So I saw like a lot of metal shows, and then all of a sudden a switch just happened, and I started listening to Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. Um, and so we would hang out. There's a little hippie record store uh, by my high school, um, Offbeat Records. They're they're gone now, um, but we'd always go in there and hang out and like buy records and and tapes and and stuff like that. And the owner, Kathy, she always had, there was always Grateful Dead playing and tie-dye stuff and deadheads coming in. And I just kind of, I don't know, just, it got me curious about like, okay, what is this all about? And so started listening to some dead from there. Um, and then, God, it was probably maybe May of 87, tickets went on sale for the 87 Red Rock shows. And so me and uh, a bunch of buddies, um, camped out overnight because of course back then you had to wait in line for tickets kind of thing get your name on the list all that good stuff so uh, we camped out overnight so I was kind of introduced to the dead through the parking lot scene um, kind of first because it's that's basically what it was it was like a shakedown street going on camping out for tickets and just up all night and meeting people it's where I got my first bootleg um, and I was just hooked right from there and then went to my first show in, uh, at Red Rocks in 87. Damn, so you went to all those 87 Red Rock shows? I went, let's see, I was there. I only got in for one night. I got in for the third night. We were up there for the first night, and we were supposed to get together with uh, some people that had tickets, and the, uh, of course, no cell phones, so we weren't able to track them down. Um, second night, um, no, uh, no luck on getting tickets for the second night. But um, we were still like up there, just kind of hanging around by the base of the mountain. And then third night, I was able to get tickets and got in. Um, it was just, just, uh, just amazing. Maybe this is a question for Courtney too. But um, how big of a bummer was it to just not get tickets and have to wait outside? In all honesty, it, it wasn't as much of a bummer as you would think. It really um, wasn't. I mean, no. you had so the people that were shut out. We had a party out in the parking lot. So yeah, it and if it was an outdoor, if it was an outdoor show, you could right. most likely hear it anyway. Like Red Rocks, just that sound just pours out. 
Um, and just a side note, I live right down the street from Red Rocks. Like if I go to the top of my block and look west um, down Yale Avenue, I'm in Denver. Um, and I can see Red Rocks just straight down Yale. Um, so it's always kind of a nice little thing when I'm uh, heading out to work or whatever is just uh, driving west and just seeing it right there. But yeah, to answer your question, really, and and like uh, Courtney was saying, it's really you, you make your own party, you have your own fun, you do your own thing, you enjoy the music. Um, I remember going out to uh, New Year's shows, um, 89 and 90, I went out to New Year's in Oakland. And it was nice because they would always broadcast the shows on like a small local FM station that you could basically only pick up in the parking lot. So everyone would have their boom boxes or their car stereos tuned to that. So you could still hear what was going on inside Oakland Coliseum. And it's like you're, it's like you're there. All right, Mike Gasick, you are on to the next round, which brings us to Joey. Joey is 27. He's from Greenwich, Connecticut. Joey, I'm really sorry. You guessed 1982. You're eliminated. What'd you hear there? Uh, I'm going to blame my my buddy on this one. My friend sent me some show. I forget when it was. I think it was early 80s. I got to check it on my phone after the show. But my friend sent me an, uh, some live recording last night that I listened to to bed. And there was a road, Jimmy, that I promised sounded very similar to like Jerry's, Jerry's voice. And then not the actual full recording, but just the voice aspect reminded me of the track I heard last night. And um, I also feel like I heard like a little, I don't want to say raspiness, but I heard a little like it wasn't the full on Jerry voice that like, I feel that was perfect in the early 70s. And I feel like in the early 80s, his voice started going. So I thought maybe like, even though his voice sounded beautiful, I thought maybe there was a hint of like the beginning of his voice going. And I want to just blame the, the recording my friend sent me last night. It really messed me up. Recency bias is turning into a real common thread on the show. Joey, how'd you get into the dead? So I feel like I was a poser for a long time. Like I was like really into like, like weed bands, like sublime and like slightly stupid. And so even though I wasn't listening to like Grateful Dead growing up, like that artwork kind of like made sense with like sublime's artwork and stuff. So I would like rock like Grateful Dead stuff just as a poser and like, like the only album I ever listened to was like American Beauty. But then like in 2017, my buddy who's an actual deadhead was like, you'll love it. Come with me to a show. And so I went, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't even, I didn't even believe him when he said John Mayer was, was with the Grateful Dead. I thought that was like a practical joke. I was like, that's not true. You're an idiot. Stop lying. But then I went in 2017 to Camden, New Jersey in the summertime I saw, I heard the most beautiful brown eyed woman ever in my life. I remember brown eyed woman was the second song that was played that night. And the second that second song was played, I looked at my friend. I'm like, I'm going to be going to these shows the rest of my life now. Wow. It took two songs. It took two songs at my first show and I was hooked. John's brown eyed woman does that to people. It's, it's a great one. It's, it's, it was, it was amazing. And uh, I, the Grateful Dead's a big part of my identity and my life now, and um, I, I'm really into the whole culture of it. And I'm a com I'm a stand-up comedian, and I'm actually uh, I do these like one-man shows where I tell these long stories for like about like 45 minutes, like an hour. And uh, in January, I'm actually going to do this show that I'm workshopping that I, I'm going to call High Time, uh, at, named after the song High Time by the Grateful Dead. And uh, it's a it's loosely it's about a big part of it's about 
me getting to the Grateful Dead and like the crazy shit that's happened to me while going to shows and stuff. All right, well, just hit us with one of those like funny stories, or or, or unless you don't want, unless you want to save it, I understand that too. I understand how. I, I'll works. tell you this one hilarious moment, um, where uh, we get to the train station at Camden, uh, and from the train station to the venue is like a maybe like fifteen minute drive, and the Uber is like literally longer to get to us than the ride will be. Like take a th- take a twenty five minute wait time for the Uber, and in that time period, this homeless lady comes up to us. And is like demanding that we give her drugs because we have like full on tie dye t shirts. We look like deadheads. And I'm like from New York. If, I, if a homeless person asks for drugs, it's like my best interest, like just avoid them, get away from them. I don't want to be a part of that. But my buddy who's getting into the music, uh, who's like a huge deadhead, doesn't think that way. He's like, oh my God, smoke joints with us. Oh, you want some shrooms? eat some shrooms with us and i'm like dude stop let's not hang out with this person and he's like no she's great she's great she she comes in the uber with us he miracles in the show he gets her a ticket in the show this random homeless, she knows nothing about the grateful dead gets her a ticket she runs in we immediately ditch her as soon as we walk in the venue and i'm like all mad i'm like why are we hanging out with her i don't want to be with her and then he goes dude i think she could change her life today People, pe- people like, like, like reinvent themselves when they see the Grateful Dead. I think we just helped her out. And I realized I'm like, I was being narrow minded. I was being a, an asshole. And my friend had like this beautiful vision that like is, I don't know, something that I, you develop, I guess, when you start following the Grateful Dead. Because I felt like in that moment, I felt like such an asshole. Because I was like, why are we hanging out with this homeless lady? I didn't think that was going to end up with her being miracled in. Uh, that yeah, is, uh... she... <laughs> I didn't see her ever again, but I did see her walk in the venue. And I want to believe she's like now selling grilled cheese at every shakedown. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Joe, you're the man. And uh, when you when you release that special, send it to me, please. And I'll oh, put it yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, of course. Cool. Thanks so much, Joe. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. Courtney, the two mics, and Nate are on to the next round. Let's play the song. Last thing I remember knowing was a lonesome whistle blowing and the youngin's dreams of growing up to ride. On the freight train leaving town, never knowing where I was bound. No one could change my mind, but Mama tried. child in a family making mild mama seemed to know what lay in store spite of all my Sunday learning for the bat I kept on turning till mama couldn't hold me anymore when I turned 21 in prison doing life without the hope no one could steer me right but mama tried mama tried Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied. That leaves only me to blame, this Mama tried. All right, the guesses are in. Mama tried at Max Yasger's farm in Bethel, New York, which is also known as Woodstock, on August 16th, 1969. The Merle Haggard cover was released in 1968, so the Dead basically immediately started covering it. Courtney was the only one who got it right. 1969. What'd you hear, Courtney? 
Well, I just, um, again, was listening to, I, it sounded earlier recording and mama tried to me, I was trying to think, okay, when did they first debut that? And I was thinking late sixties. And so I was, I was thinking I was going to go with 1970, just kind of go in between. And I was like, you know what, go with 1969, just go with 1969. It's a good number. So, <laughs> so I just chose that date. <laughs> so you followed the gut. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to play. You're on the next round. Mike Smigo, you also guessed 1970, as did Mike Gasick. You guys are both on the next round. Mike Smigo, you reacted to uh, Courtney there. What's what are you thinking? Uh, yeah, I just heard the early, the early Mama tried and uh, TC, and I don't know. Uh, Mike Gasick, you also guessed 1970. Yep, should have gone with 69. That's when I was born, so I should have just gone with the gut on the 69. I was going back and forth between 69 and 70. And uh, yeah, just kind of hearing it sounded like pitting on the keys, um, early version, kind of still working, working through it. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of 1970 sounded, uh, um, sounded good. So again, off by one year, pretty close. Nate, our two-time returning champ, you guessed 1971, you're eliminated after a, an incredible run. Nate, what'd you hear there? Uh, I I was arguing with myself between 69 and 71, somewhere in between there. Uh, I definitely heard the early keys. Couldn't tell if it was Tom or Pig. And I committed to 71 mostly just because I was only hearing one guy on drums. Uh, that damn terrible Woodstock tape. I can only hear I can only hear one drummer in there. So uh, I was like, let's just go as early as possible when they had one drummer. Uh, so I went 71. Turned out to be my downfall. So the old the old Woodstock got me. I'm a little too young for that one. <laughs> well, you've been batting above your average age-wise this entire time. Great run. Awesome. We'll have you back for the Tournament of Champions. Really appreciate you uh, being here. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, always a great time. All right. The two Mikes and Courtney are competing for two spots in the best of three series. Let's play the song.
All right, the guesses are in. Hell in a Bucket at Rich Stadium in Orchard Park, New York on June 16th, 1990. Released on 1987's In the Dark, the song is thought of as a Weir Barlow track, but Brent Midland is actually credited as a songwriter. Mike Gasek got it exactly, 1990. You're on in the next round. Uh, what'd you hear there? Um, I saw the majority of my shows between like 87 and 91. Um, so immediately, as, as soon as that started playing, that just kind of took me back to, I saw a ton of shows, like 89, 90s, when I probably saw the most of them. Um, and it just had that sound of what I was hearing um, show after show, uh, venue after venue, 89, 90. So I was kind of going back and forth. I thought maybe I might've heard Bruce in there. So I'm like, okay, is it maybe late 90, like McNichols 90 with Bruce? Um, so I just went, I was kind of back and forth, 89, 90. And uh, I, I, I had a good feeling it was going to be one of those. So I just kind of went with 90 and uh, seemed like that worked. Awesome. You're on to the finals. Mike Smigo, you guessed 1989. You're also on the finals. What'd you hear there? Um, you know, at first I, I was going to say, I thought it was an early one because I, I heard that sound of Brent's keyboard that I don't really like from the early eighties, but then it changed quickly. And then I thought for sure for a second, I was, I was thinking it was new year's Eve, 1989. So that's why I guessed 89. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess that would be a tricky one if it was played after midnight on a new year's Eve. 89 show. <laughs> right. What's the ruling on that? Right. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I think, I think Oh, we're... that's true. Cause it definitely was. <laughs> so yeah. that's me. I, I got that wrong. Courtney, I'm sorry. You guessed 1983. What tripped you up there? I just, I felt like it was early 80s. I heard Brent. That was going right on what Mike said. I was like, it, it sounded like that early Brent in the early 80s. I almost put 1985 in. And then I just, for some reason, I just felt like it was early 80s, not, you know, not closer to 90, 89. Just didn't, didn't hear that. So. <laughs> well, you're right here, Brent. Um, so what was your favorite keyboard combination of the, of the shows you saw? I mean, I will say, to be truthfully honest with you, I'm a huge Pigpen pig pen fan. I just love the Earl. I just love anything with Pigpen. I just love the Earl, um, Earl you know, mid-60s and when he was playing with them. Um, of course, I was on tour with, you know, I saw Vince play. So, that, you know, I, 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 a lot of people aren't a big Vince fan, but I was there live seeing him. So, of course, I kind of liked him. But I would say to me, hands down, I still think Brent is one of the best keyboardists that that the, the dead had i love i love brent i love his energy i love his style i just i just love what he brought to the table but i don't listen to a lot of the 80s that's another thing i'm just not a big i'd always called the 80s kind of the um the dark area area you know like it wasn't some of the 80s i'm more into like the, like i like the early 70s shows the late 70s shows of course i've got a few bootlegs from that shows that i went to and shows that were around you know that were you know i was sitting in the lot back in like 93 and 95 and stuff but that's just kind of that's kind of my thing so <laughs> um so you still listen to your bootlegs I actually do have those tapes, um, but I don't listen to them as much as, you know, I mean, it's not like you have that many um, places that you can play those cassette tapes and then um, can't really play them in the car kind of stuff. So, but I do, I still have like probably over a hundred. I'm trying to find something I wanted to read you guys that I wrote off of Dead Tour, but I can't find it in my little book. Um, but back in the days, you know, like um, they used to, Relics used to have these, um, 
like you could go to you if people would submit something in there um you could be like all right i'm gonna make a little story out of grateful dead songs and so you literally can just use the lyrics and the names of songs to make a um a little a little story and so I, me and a friend and I wrote the story one time going down to, um, this is right after Jerry had died. We we're going to a fish show in Charleston, South Carolina. And so I just wanted to share this because I think Please. it's pretty fun. Yeah, <laughs> so I wanted awesome. to share this with you guys. So it's, um, so it goes, Samson, Delilah, and Bertha were down by the big river where the sky was yellow and the sun is blue. Franklin's tower was on their mind as Terrapin Station light ahead. Desiring sunshine daydreams, they kept on trucking through this dark hollow. Bertha said, we can run, but we can't hide. So let's find Sugar Magnolia, dance in the streets, and head on back to Tennessee Jed. Going down the road feeling bad, they ran into Althea and Cassidy on Shakedown Street. They got some good loving under the dark star, and they loved each other for eternity. There comes a time when we get those walking blues when fighting the law for our liberty. I will take you home to my broke down palace as the blues fade away and there's nothing left to do but smile, smile, smile. There's so many golden roads and it takes, and it's a long, long way to go home to ease my soul. It looks like rain, so look forward to the morning dew because you know our love will not fade away. We might be the victims of the crime and if the thunder don't get you, then the lightning will. A box of rain will ease the pain and love will see you through. In the attics of my life, I think about having those Tom Thumb and Cumberland blues, but wish I could be the eyes of the world by standing on the moon. A peaceful place that looks from space during those high times with a saint of circumstance and an estimated profit. It'll be hell in a bucket when we meet up with the lost sailor on a ship of fools. We need a miracle every day until we cross these boundless seas and make it to the promised land. Hello, baby, I've gone goodbye and what a long, strange trip it's been. So let's take this weight off our shoulders as we bid you good night. <laughs> Well done. That's awesome. <laughs> was nice. Like, thanks. I was like, I gotta share this with them. You know, oh you know God. what? You know what that reminds me of? Did you guys ever know the guy with the poster? He drew the poster. His name was Carl, and he'd spin around. It was a hundred dead songs in the poster. I have both of them. The yeah, black he and white he, one he, and the colored one. Yeah. Yeah, he he passed away a couple years ago. Um, but yeah, that I don't know. That just reminded me of his spiel that he he memorized. You know. Yeah, so but I just thought it would be fun to share to to, to send off. Be like, I, I I did not win, but hey, that's my send off to you guys. Wow, <laughs> awesome! Thanks for that. That's awesome. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. That was amazing. <laughs> that was incredible. Um, Courtney, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much yes, for being here. Thank you. It's been so much fun. The two mics, and the mic host, three mics hanging out. <laughs> uh, we are on to the final best of three series. Let's play the song. Right outside this lazy summer
guests are in Eyes of the World at the Great American Music Hall in San Francisco. Ah! I knew it. <laughs> I August, knew it, but I said 1974 uh, anyway. Uh, Sorry, I'm not alert. Smiling. I'm right there um, with you, other Mike. <laughs> well, there you have it. They both guessed 74. It was August 13th, uh, 1975. Kn- you know, yeah. if it, if I was listening to this on my on, in my living room and not on these, I would have guessed it. <laughs> um. Okay, well, so yeah, 1975, let me read my little fucking thing. Uh, Eyes of the World was on 1973's Wake of the Flood, the first dead album in three years, and their first ever without Pigpen. So Mike Smigo, yeah. Um, why? I mean, it's one, of my, it's, one of the, it's one of the finest shows ever. And um, yeah, I, I mean, it just, I wasn't getting it as, crispy and clear as as i would because it's such a pristine recording so i kind of took it as it was something more from 74 possibly um like october of 74 you know well because two drummers you know and uh so from from those winterland shows in october i thought it could have been from that because that recording isn't isn't quite as smooth especially in the vocals so yeah, got it. And Mike Gasick, what'd you hear? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with uh, uh with Mike. Um, so I've got on my uh, um my alarm clock, which is an iPad, um a uh, late '74 Eyes of the World for set for my alarm. So I'm like, it's always kind of nice to wake up to wake up to find out you're the eyes of the world. I'm like, <laughs> that's great. So that's what I've got is a, a late '74. I'm not sure of the date, but it's a late '74 um eyes of the world i'm just like and it just sounded it had the same sound as what i wake up to every morning and i was just but same thing i'm just like god it could be 75 and i'm like no i think i hear this every morning so i'm gonna go with 74 well no one gets the point on to the next song Just like Tom Thumb's Blues at Boston Garden on October 1st, 1994. That was sent in by Kyle. Thanks, Kyle. 
This song was on Bob Dylan's 1965 album, Highway 61 Revisited. The Dead first covered it in 1985, two years before they went on tour with Dylan. Mike Smigo got it exactly. Mike Gasick was one year off in 1993. Mike Smigo, how'd you diagnose that? Uh, Phil's singing. Uh, I think Phil peaked in 2010. And uh, it is, as far as his vo uh, voice goes and singing, you know, well and in good pitch. And that was a pretty good performance. Like 94 and 95, his vocals were probably his strongest, uh, I think. I love uh, that. I I feel like everyone says like he was, his harmonies were best in like basically like 70 or whatever, but you're saying his vocals peaked in 2010. Yeah. Well, him singing, like I, I love, you know, when he does cryptical, when he does mountains, like he owns mountains of the moon, if you ask me, like I, but I, I'm, I'm alone in that sometimes. <laughs> I, I, but I like listening to Phil sing. I do too. So have you seen Phil and friends? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen more Phil and friends shows probably than anything. Who's your favorite Phil and friends guitarist? Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. Um, well, my favorite Phil and friends shows I didn't go to, and they were with, uh, Trey and Paige in 99. So those, those, those are probably some of the best, uh, posture. And I saw a lot of further too. Um, yeah. Mike Gasek, you're only one year off. Yep. Hearing pretty much uh, the same things, just Phil's voice. Um, I could hear Vince in there. Um, and, uh, the band just seemed a little slower, just not as crisp, I guess, as those like, 89 90 91 yeah. it just kind of it just had that feeling of the uh the the trailing off years if you want to call them that um of those last few years kind of thing in there and i saw him a few times in 93 so again just kind of putting that visual together um but i was kind of going between 93 and 95 probably should have split the difference but um felt good about 93 but yeah 93 94 um just have that sound yeah so, Mike, you run a record shop, right? Um, I worked at record stores for a number of years. I'm self-employed now. Um, um, but uh, so I was working at uh, a, a chain called Sound Warehouse. Um, a couple of friends worked there, and I was always a big music guy. And I just wanted to, I wanted to work around music and be around music and be around people that loved music and all different kinds. Um so I got a job at Sound Warehouse. Um, so I worked there for a number of years. But while I was doing that early on, probably around, I started there in 89. So probably around maybe 91-ish, um, I started working part-time also at uh, Offbeat Records, that little hippie record store that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, she needed someone to cover on Thursdays. So I worked there one day a week on Thursday. So it was just like my day on Thursdays. So uh, it was great. I met so many heads through there. Um, she kind of, I mean, she wasn't, a, it wasn't a big shop, but there was a lot of people around the country that kind of knew like, hey, when you're coming to Denver for a show or you're coming to Colorado for a thing or whatever, if you're coming for the dead or whatever it is, um, Offbeat is the place to go. So I met so many like touring heads that would come through and made great long, like lifelong friendships through there and got turned on to a ton of amazing music. I mean, not just dead, but uh, I like, got a huge Tom Waits fan. 
Um, and that's where that came from. Um, was that just listening to like, I'm listening to the dead, but I'm like, who is this Tom Waits guy? Listen to this early Tom Waits stuff from like 74, 75. And just, um, um, how much passion was in that. Um, and that's what I like about any kind of music that I listen to that there's, there's something going on there. There's a passion to it that, uh, that really drew me in. Um, but yeah, I worked at record stores, a few different ones. I worked in Boulder for a while, um, probably about, I don't know, 14 years. So I uh, listened to a lot of music, met some great people, saw a ton of great shows um, of all different genres. And uh, it was just a really, um, one of the best times of my life, really was. So a deadhead walks into your record store. What do you think they're going to probably buy? Oh, I thought this was a joke. So, so a deadhead. Uh, <laughs> where's Joey? The the uh, yeah. Um, yeah, we need him back. He turned that into a joke for sure, definitely. Um, so I'm sorry. So a, a deadhead walks into a record store and, and and trying to turn them on to like something else. No, but like, um, what, what do you think they're gonna buy? You you must be like have a feeling. Like, what are these people gonna buy? Yeah, you know, it, God, it's a great question because I think so many deadheads. Um, like myself, listen to so many different kinds of music. Um, I'm a big jazz guy too. I mean, I can throw on um, most things by like Miles, Coltrane, Sun Ra, Pharaoh Sanders, any of that stuff, um, or or bluegrass or folk um, or jam band stuff. Like I, I think deadheads like to search out different things. They want to say, well, why is Jerry playing that song or why are they covering this song or why do they have that sound uh back in 1970 or why were they doing different things in 74 um i think they really just want to open their minds and listen to so much different stuff so to answer your question i don't know what they would buy <laughs> and that's that's a great testament to deadheads the fact that they're you know they're not all walking in and buying american beauty like a real like deluxe edition you know Ooh, right <laughs> exactly exactly uh cool thanks mike for explaining all yeah. that um okay Mike Smigo is up one zero in the series. Mike Asik needs needs this one, or else Mike Smigo is the new champ of Guest of the Year and gets the fifty dollar gift card to Dyer on the Mountain. All right, let's play the song. Spring, lover comes and spreads away. 
I advise contestants to wait till the end to make their guesses, but Mike Smigo fired that off in about three bars, and Mike Gasick was not that far behind. Uh, it was <laughs> Weather Report Suite at Freedom Hall in Louisville, Kentucky, on, oh. June, on June 18th, 1974. Hmm. The song was sent in by Luke, or the show was sent in by Luke. He was passionate about all the songs on the show, but uh, thanks, Luke. The song was played 47 times in 73 and 74, and then never played again. Mike Smigo, you like I said, you sent it in immediately. How'd you know? Um, I I mean I thought it was from Winterland in October because uh, it just sounded like such a great recording. Um, but I mean it's just the perfection, I guess. I don't know. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Mike Gasick? Yeah, same uh, same kind of thing as far as that perfection. Um, like almost coming like they had um just got done in the studio and they're like this is how the song sounds and this is how we're going to play it and this is how we've been playing it over and over kind of thing and it just has that everyone just hits everything just perfectly whether it's um the vocals the drums just everything just falls into line um and it just kind of screams 74 to me you guys ever heard holly bowling do the eyes of the world from that show no, uh -uh. I believe that's it. So she composed the whole thing in piano. She does. I mean, you should listen to any of her albums. She does Fish and the, the Grateful Dead. But she does the she composes that whole Eyes of the World uh, onto the piano. And it's fucking brilliant. Wow. <clears throat> so she Holly Bowling, the entire jam. Like, no, yeah, everything, everybody doing everything. She's going crazy. She's I'm right. I'm writing that down. Yeah. Wow. What? What a cool idea. Yeah, just listen to her album she's on. I don't know. I, I subscribe to Nugs.net. So like her live shows, she drops on Nugs.net too. Damn, that's sick. Well, this is turning into an incredibly good finals matchup here. Mike Smigo is still up 1-0. And let's play the next song. Maybe not at all. 
All right, CC Ryder at the Centrum in Worcester, Massachusetts on October 21st, 1983. The cover was performed 127 times between 1979 and 1992, which was the last year the dead played it. Mike Gasek was closer, 1984. Mike, Mike Smigo guessed 1980. We're going to a game three. Mike Gasek, oh I get it. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't, I don't know, for whatever reason, uh, don't really listen to a lot of 84, 85 stuff. Um, I find that just it, fascinating. I know there's a lot of stuff going on with the uh, individual members and, and whether it was like drugs or booze or whatever kind of thing. And some not so great sounding versions or blown lyrics, but there's just some kind of something going on in those 84s and 85s. Um, that's just, it's, it's, it's different. Maybe raw might be a good word for it. There's some weirdness going on in 84s and 85s. Um, and to me, it just kind of, it, it sounded like it was right around in that, uh, that time frame. So that's why I went for 84. So you don't mind that coked out sound? No, it, it, it really does. It's, it's like the history of, it's, it's the history of the band um, to me. That's just part of the progression. Um, kind of like in life, you have to go through this to get to that, um, whatever you kind of want to say. And yeah, what was it their best playing and their best time period? No, but there was just some, I don't know, foolishness, tomfoolery, whatever going on in those years that just kind of, I, I just kind of dig it. Love that take. I live so many good takes. Phil's peaked singing 2010. 1984 was a good year for the dead. This has been a lot of great takes this podcast. Mike Smigo, you guessed 1980. What? Why 1980? Um, well, you know, I don't listen to a lot of 84 and 85, but 86. Um, and I don't know. I, you know, I, 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 I second guess it because you know that I think that song rocked a little harder in 1980 than than that version there. So yeah, I don't know, man. I was just throwing throwing shit to the wall at, the, at this point, <clears throat> and I knew it wasn't going to be a late, like a later version of it because they played it. They they brought it back in '92. It was on the shelf for a long time. Great. Well, the two mics are going to a game three. This mic is loving this. <laughs> We're here to entertain. <laughs> yeah, you, you are, man. <laughs> Damn, you guys are earning this fucking gift card. Jesus Christ. All right. Um, Let's play the song.
Might as well. Might as well. Might as well guess <laughs> what I guess. <laughs> Might as well keep the game going because you guys both guessed 1976. I mean, there's the, there's not really another answer. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> this is incredible. Might as well at the Beacon Theater on June 14th, 1976. Might as well as the first track on Jerry's 1976 solo album, Reflections. Mike Gasick, how'd you uh, figure that one out? Um, I think it was just, I, I, I think uh, other Mike uh, kind of nailed it. Uh, there's really no other real guess kind of in there. It's just that might as well 76. It just, that's what it sounds like is 1976. Which sounds like nothing else, which is right. greater than 1977. There's another hot take for you. <laughs> Ooh, the controversy. Yeah. Uh, you got to elaborate, Mike Smigo. Let's hear it. Oh, I just, I just, I just love 1976, man. I don't know. It's just got a different sound to it, a different feel. It's bouncier, it's springier, it's fresh. That June, that month in June is June. I've always said June 76 is better than May of 77. Okay. Still 1-1. One, one. Let's play the next song. guesses are in that was sent in by kyle mission in the rain at boston music hall on june 12th 1976 the grateful dead only played mission in the rain five times all in june 1976 uh, but then it became a jgb staple that was incredible mike smigo you nailed it exactly you are the new champ well deserved mike gase extending ovation to you as well smigo how'd you figure that one out i mean that's just it They've played it five times in 1976, you know. <laughs> I, I love 1976, so it was it was easy. Like that's what I don't know. I, I forgot there's a camera on me. I'm 
making goofy fucking faces like oh they really give me two 1976 in a row but uh, it was really awesome play this was so much fun i'm so glad i, I did this i can't wait to listen to you I, I spent a lot of time in a work truck uh driving back and forth to different sites so i can't wait to listen to this podcast uh every week awesome thanks well i'm gonna be i'm gonna be on it next week right yes you will yes you will you'll be back <laughs> right with on. us and and like I'll tell you and everyone who maybe is listening for the first time this week, always start at the beginning because um, it's a tournament. And um, so if you're starting to listen to the podcast, start at episode one and uh, listen back because there's a lot of good. If you started now, you'll miss a lot of good breakdowns and a lot of good deadheads. Mike Gasick, tremendous work. Uh, 74, a couple of years off. Yeah, I, I just kind of, it, it, it had, it, to me, it had that 74 sound, and I was thinking the same thing, are, are, are we going to do back-to-back 76? And I had it in my head, then I'm like, now I'm pretty sure it was 76 Mission in the Rain, but I, I think just the fact that there was two 1976s in a row just made me think differently. Um, but uh, I, I thought, I, I didn't think you'd throw me a curveball like that. Like, come on, 76, 70, you should make a whole show. Like every answer in the show is 1982 or something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I was, uh, yep, just right in there. Um, but uh, congratulations to other Mike. Uh, congrats, Smigo. Nice, uh, nice going back and forth with you. That was awesome. That, that um, was awesome, man. And uh, um, always nice to, you know, uh, chat with other deadheads about music and then you know just see what our brains have retained over the years that's cool right. too awesome awesome thank you to you both okay subscribe to guest of the year on apple Podcasts and spotify for show updates follow us at guest of the year show on instagram if you want to be a contestant on the show sponsor the show or make comments ask questions email us at guest of the year show at gmail.com shout out to dylan who's been drawing the posters his instagram is at thirty thousand feet thank you so much for listening for the fun facts, I relied heavily on Dead.net, Dead Disc, and Grateful Dead of the Day and their commenters. Thank you so much to them. Thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congrats to our new winner, Mike. And to other contestants, thanks for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyways. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bet you good night. Good night, good night.